to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD Radio News Director Will Stevenson. The recent death of actor Matthew Perry, known for being on Friends and being involved in a number of other projects, is bringing more awareness to a substance that may have been a contributing factor in his death. One might say that ketamine can be both a help in terms of mental health, but also a serious hindrance. Dr. Robert Leiser, a medical director at the Addiction Recovery Center for Carl Health's Trillium Place, talks about ketamine with WMBD's T.J. Carson. Ketamine's been in the news recently. You know, ketamine's been around for a long time. Basically, we call it a, a disassociative anesthetic. Uh, it's got some what we call hallucinogenic properties. It's basically a short-term sedation and anesthetic. It actually was discovered, I think, Back in the 60s, as FDA proved in the, the 70s, and uh, didn't use it in the Vietnam War. Um, you know, they, we use it uh, in veterinary medicine. We use it in, in, in human medicine. Basically, it induces a state of sedation, so uh, makes people calm, some immobility, relief from the pain, a little amnesia. That's why they use it in in an anesthetic type of situation. What are some of the most common uses for it? Well, as I said, it's used as a short-term sedation. So it's used in anybody having minor procedures within the hospital or is that in the veterinary medicine, they use it in several ways as a a type of anesthetic uh, amnesia medication when they're doing... uh, surgical procedures. Is it taken like any other anesthetic? How is it taken? Well, basically, it comes in a lot of form. You, when, it's, when it's used that way, it's used the, usually the IV form and it's uh, injected into the veins by the anesthesiologist. If you're asking other ways, there are some clinics out there that are using it for PTSD, treatment-resistant depression, that they have these little pop-up clinics and that people can pay to actually have a ketamine infusion, if that's what you were asking. Is it taken in small doses, large doses? How much does a person usually get when uh, they take ketamine? So this is a big issue is when when it's regulated and under strict supervision, it's given in very small doses is what it is. But when it's bought illicitly on the street, just like a lot of other substances, it's used in a lot higher doses and and people can't regulate that. They they don't know how much to use. They just ask their dealer or someone not knowledgeable how much of the shed I take and this is where people are getting in trouble and they're not being regulated and, and they're having their overdoses and dying from this at higher doses than what should be used in someone's body. How does it get unregulated? How does it get on the market where it's used illicitly? And how big of a problem is it? Well, that, that, that's the big thing with illicit medications. Basically, a lot of times they're brought into Mexico. And actually, unfortunately, uh, they're, they're stolen or diverted from uh, veterinary clinics um, is, is the thing. And people sell it, uh, unfortunately. And it gets in, in people's hands and sold on the streets. So I would probably say 
is brought through Mexico or through uh, stolen uh, or sold through a veterinarian clinic at that point. Is this a new problem or has it been a problem for a while now? It's, it's been a problem for a while. It's just can't, can't come in the mainstream in the past few months with with the unfortunate death of, of Matthew Perry from the Friends. Everybody knew him. And so, unfortunately, when you have a, a, a public figure like that that dies from a, from a substance, it becomes more mainstream and, and people want to know more about it. But ketamine's been around for a long, long time. And here with our addiction practices, we see several cases of people coming in for treatment of it a year. But it's, it's been around for a while, especially in the 90s. You know, it's, it's used in the, in the clubs and the raves. And so it's, it's been around as far as a, a, an illicit substance for a while, which has come into popularity in the past couple of months. What are some of the side effects someone can experience when they take it like they're supposed to and take it like when they're how they're not supposed to? So basically, ketamine, as I said, is what they call a dissociative anesthetic. That means it almost you feel detached from the pain environment. Some people describe it as like floating on clouds with how your arms. So it provides some euphoria, a little bit of some amnesia. And that's the way it was supposed to be designed with treating existing depression. The problem is when it's taken in larger doses or unknown doses, you can have increased agitation, you can have depression, you can have unconsciousness, and then you have the, the respiratory depression or the not breathing at the higher doses. Uh, with a, with the medication. In the case of Matthew Perry, uh, what happened there? It was cited as one of the causes in his passing. What what happened in his case? That that's a question. I I, I don't think I can even answer because I don't have all the details uh, and and I just have what what has been out in the public. So I I really cannot state from a medical standpoint what actually happened with the ketamine and his death at this point, TJ. Okay. How can people be more aware of ketamine and its side effects and taking it safely? What, what do people need to know about to be more educated on it? Well, the first thing is they have to know it's out there, and especially in the teenage population, the younger population that go to festivals, they go to raves, they're out to bars. They have to be aware, just like any substance. When someone gives you a substance, you don't know what the heck it is. And this is what I'm seeing these days. And so if you're getting something that you don't know what it is, and someone says, oh, this is X, Y, or Z, don't, do not take it. And just know that ketamine is one of these, one of these substances that can definitely cause some disastrous side effects such as death and other issues. And so I think just making our our patients and the population aware that these substances are out there. Uh, I hate to, to say that Matthew Par- Perry was a martyr, but he he brought it in the mainstream and more people are learning about ketamine. And I, I think the more we can educate 
people about these substances, including ketamine and other illicit substances, the better they can be aware and realize that these substances do have a very negative uh, side uh, versus the euphoria that many people are trying to achieve. And that's, that's the biggest thing. So just education uh, about the ketamine and the, the negative effects of it. Any other thoughts, anything else we might not have covered, anything to, as we wrap up here? No, I, I think once, once again, it's, it's, it's a substance that's out there, but it, it's just it's making people aware of it and, and people like you getting involved and, and bringing it to the public, which I think is a, a good thing. But as I said, people only see the, 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 the euphoric or the the positive side of it but it does have a negative side when when you take it in wrong doses and majority of the time when it's given to you illicitly you don't know how much you're taking it so most likely it's, it's a higher dose of what it is today. trillium place dr robert Lizer with wmbd's tj carson more week in review coming up the city of Washington this week agreed to forgive a loan that five points had been paying off, one that resulted in construction of the facility. The reason? Some pricey work there that now needs to be done. Washington Mayor Gary Manier talked about it with WMBD's T.J. Carson. Actually, it started, you know, probably even before the construction was completed, uh, it looked like there was going to be about a $5 million shortfall. I mean, we first planned this. It was looking to be maybe a 16 a $16 million to $17 million facility. And then, of course, you know, as, as time went on, uh, by the time we finally got a complete deal in place, ended up being about $21.5 million to build the facility. And, you know, so the Washington Area Community Center, uh, WAC board, uh, raised as much money as they could. And we thought by doing a quarter cent, uh, percent sales tax uh, to try to help with the shortfall, uh, then we asked Five Points uh, probably in the third or fourth year when they first started. Uh, you know, it's 16 years old now, and the facility is just incredible. But uh, we asked them to, you know, start paying some of it back. And, you know, they were paying $50,000 a year for the first 10 years. And then uh, they began paying $75,000 a year. Well, then, unfortunately, COVID hit and, uh, you know, really closed their doors for uh, quite a while. And then now the HVAC systems and some things, some big ticket items are coming forward. And uh, we felt, you know, compelled to go ahead and just uh, forgive uh, the rest of the loan that was uh, uh, taken out. And it's about a $650,000 that was left uh, that they were going to pay back. So we felt, uh, you know, it's kind of a crown jewel of our city. You know, we, we still say the downtown square is the center of our community, but five points has become a center uh, point as well just because of the location and proximity to two schools and a lot of neighborhoods and things. So uh, it's it's been a godsend. And people move here uh, when they make decisions, they look at the school scorecards, but the the last decision they look is they say, hey, they have five points. The community center is a, uh, a godsend. So people really like that. How much was the total loan for? Well, the, we we didn't ask them to pay the whole thing back. I think it was uh, two point one million is what we asked for. They paid six hundred thousand. I think they owed another six hundred and fifty thousand is what uh, 
of what we uh, forgave uh, on this last uh, vote we had on Tuesday night. Okay, so there was 2.1, and then they had paid around 600000 and then you forgave 650000 Where was the rest of the, uh, uh, that loan amount coming from? Well, the rest of it was paid through the prop, or the sales tax. The sales tax, uh, the quarter percent that we raised, uh, the debt service on that $5 million was uh, about $375,000 a year. We've well exceeded that with that uh, uh, sales tax increase that we took uh, probably back in 20, 2006 or seven, possibly, in 2010 is when they started paying back. Uh, so it, it more than covers the debt service. We've actually collected about $1.6 million in additional sales tax because of that uh, quarter percent sales tax that we increased. Okay. So we've, we've been able to do some capital projects and do, done some nice things for the city. Now, I understand as well, uh, not every alderman or council member was on board with this uh, plan. Right. We had two, two no votes. What was the reasoning for wanting to keep uh, or to give the forgiveness to five points for this loan? Well, I, I think part of it is, is 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 what it does for our community. It brings people here. Uh, it brings brings the arts uh, alive and well in our community uh, with the with the theater, the Caterpillar Performing Arts Center. Uh, provides a great banquet facility. I mean, we use uh, five points quite a bit for council meetings that are. Uh, going to be a little bit bigger. Uh, matter of fact, on Monday night, we're going to meet at five points. Uh, we're taking up two banquet rooms, uh, and that, those those are not charged. Uh, so part part of our commitment to five points, we get X amount of dates that we can use. Either the city can use it or the Chamber of Commerce can use it for events. So uh, it's been very beneficial. So to have those X amount of dates that we can use uh, five points uh, without being charged is pretty nice. So we felt, you know, kind of a, a business partner in the community and, you know, with four taxing bodies and a not-for-profit 5013C, we uh, just wanted to work together and make sure they stayed viable. And, you know, if it has to be taken over by a taxing body, which if they would default, uh, you know, the park district and the library and the uh, city of Washington and the high school all have, you know, uh, put money in the project initially, and that's you know, some of them, one of them is going to have to take it over if it would default. And then all of a sudden now you have to give, you know, the benefits and the complete entire package, like say the city of Washington have IMRF uh, pensions. And so the liability would go up and it would be astronomical to try to run a facility with a public, uh, a public body. Were there any conditions attached to this uh, proposal, this deal, uh, anything like that? Well, I, I think part of what, what was written in is we're, we're going to say if, if we have a shortfall, if for some reason the sales tax dips below the $375,000 collected for that debt service, that uh, we would go back to five points. Uh, if they're financially in, in good shape at that time, uh, go back and ask them to maybe pay something toward it. But the other than that, it's no. Who came to who about the idea for the proposal? Who was the first to reach out about this plan? Well, Cheryl West, uh, the president of the uh, Washington Area Community Center Board, and, and Cheryl's uh, probably been the president 10 out of the 16 years, I believe. She's served in that capacity quite a few times. And uh, she came with, with hat in hand to say, you know, is there any chance to, to help us uh, knowing the 
expenses that are coming forward in the next uh, three to five years uh, with the HVAC system and, and things. And, you know, they've, they've never came to us and asked, uh, you know, when they had an example for pool leaks or anything, uh, big ticket items that they've had. And, you know, they've been able to upkeep this facility. And it's amazing that people that, that maybe even a month ago that have been in there 16 years later and they say it still looks brand new. So they've done a great job running the facility. We want to make sure that it continues to be the crown jewel of Washington. It sounds like there's a good relationship between the city and five points that something like this was made possible because of it. Well, it, it is. And, and I mean, Cheryl, Cheryl's, uh, you know, was, was a great leader at Caterpillar and uh, she did a great job in helping us uh, get this to fruition uh, when she retired from Caterpillar, she uh, took a position on the WAC board and, and helped us uh, get this through, along with uh, Bob Morris, the city administrator at that time, uh, all worked together to, to make this happen, along with the other taxing bodies, the, the library, the high school, and the park district, and, and everybody's benefited from it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just been fabulous. I mean, we never had a swim team before in the high school, and they do now, and you know, those kids can perform in a, a Caterpillar Performing Arts Center that's second to none. The acoustics is unbelievable. Band, choral, uh, music. I mean, every piece of the music, the drama club, everybody can use that theater uh, all because of what, what happened by working together. So it's in the, in the pool and the, the cardiovascular, the, the weight systems. Uh, they had a nine-week course through the high school. Uh, it's just been, it's been very helpful for our community to, to push our community forward. What does it say to you to have that kind of public-private partnership that works so well and is so friendly? Well, it's, it's jealousy from, you know, I serve on the IML board as second vice president. And I hear from my other mayors around the state, especially downstate, the, how did you get this done by four taxing bodies and a not-for-profit working together? And, and I've had, you know, the O'Fallon mayor, uh, uh, he's been here twice, uh, you know, touring and things and trying to say, can, can we get it done? And I remember Ray LaHood was uh, our congressman at the time we broke ground. And he said, this is like a blueprint for America uh, with taxing buddies working together. So it's uh, it's what small towns should do. And uh, we're proud to have a $21.5 million facility that's uh, second to none. And, and compared to towns uh, even larger than ours uh, are kind of jealous, I guess, of it. You know, it's always uh, disheartening sometimes to, to try to, you know, give money away. But uh, I thought it was the right thing to do. And I think the, the council felt compelled and staff. And I think the staff at Five Points is going to be appreciative. And I think they're going to dig their heels in and work hard. And uh, they, they've done a great job. Vicki Portman uh, uh, is, it runs the place. And she's uh, been incredible. And uh, we'd hate to see see her uh, walk away someday. She may retire, but uh, right now she's doing a great job, and I'm proud of all the staff that they have there at Five Points. Washington Mayor Gary Manier with WMBD's T.J. Carson. More Week in Review coming up. Don't you just wish you had a way to report potholes to the city of Peoria as soon as you ran over one and nearly took out tires and the tie rods on your car? Well, as it turns out, you do. And the same system can help you report other similar problems to the city as well. WMBD's Greg Batten and Dan DiOrio talk about it with city spokesperson Stacy Peterson. If you see a pothole, uh, here's what I think I know. And Dan and I both were uh, like wallowing around in it. And they were like, yeah, and then you tell the city. And then I was like, how? 
How? how I think it's is two one. Do you do you call a guy? Is yeah. there a guy? There's a website. I know there's a website. All right, so take us through. Oh it. man, it's, it's not you guys hard. Are all over. It's not it's hard. It's not hard. No, it's not. It's, hard. it's not hard. In fact, it's so easy. I just reported two potholes in the last thirty minutes um, from my phone. So it's super easy to do, and there are, there are different ways to do it depending on your um, ease of use with technology. So. First of all, the easiest thing to do for people who don't have cell phones, who don't want to deal with a computer, is that you can call Peoria Cares. Our customer service response uh, is called Peoria Cares for things like this. You call Peoria Cares by dialing 494-CARE. That's 494-2273. They're open Monday through Friday during the daytime and a few hours on Saturday, and you talk to a live person. And you can give your name. You don't have to give your name if you want to make it anonymous. But you give that address of the pothole. They put it into the system. The ticket goes over to Public Works, and then they add it to their list. So you can call. You can go to PeoriaGov.org, our website. We've got a Peoria Cares button. You can go in. Again, you can create an account, which allows you to track uh, your, uh, your report as it goes through the system. Or you can put in an anonymous report if you're not comfortable with putting in information. And there's a map. You drop wherever your pothole is on that map, and then it sends it to Public Works. Or we have an app, an upgraded app. There were a lot of people that used our first iteration of the Peoria Cares app. And then a year ago, we actually increased features, increased ease of use. And that's what I used this morning. So I saw the pothole. I took a picture of it. I clicked on the pothole category. The GPS already located the address, so I didn't need to do anything there. Uh, it gives you the opportunity to put in, in uh, additional information, and you hit send, and it's off. And, it, and then it'll notify you when it has been completed. Wow, I like that, the follow-up. Uh, yeah. In the last couple of minutes, someone just reported two more potholes, Greg and Dan. Uh <laughs> So can those, I? Those are probably on private property. I can't help you with those. <laughs> so, uh, can I use that same number? Let's say it's you know four thirty twenty to five in the morning, and there's nobody at Knoxville and Nebraska yet. The light is running full cycles of left turn signals. I'm like, no, no, no. This is you know sometimes those lights kind of get off and they, and they go yeah. on to what's a day schedule instead of a night schedule. Can I report that? Well, if you're trying, you can report lights. You can report tall grass. The other day, I was driving through uh, Sheridan and University, or pardon me, Sheridan, Maine, mm-hmm. that intersection where Broken Tree used to be, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and it was blinking red. So I actually put in a report, and then I text because the public probably wouldn't know this person, but I texted the person who was the weekend on call person for electrical issues too. But when those reports go in. Um, you know, it'll be, if it's overnight, it'll take until the next business day for them to get picked up. Chances are, if it's a life safety issue, like um, lighting, for example, if you've got a situation where the lights are out or they're blinking crazy and you think it's going to create an issue, call the non-emergency number at the police department and they'll make sure it gets to dispatch and dispatch will get to the on-call person to get it fixed. Not for potholes, but for other situations. And of course, if it's life safety, always call 911. Now, Dan had a question about, and maybe you just answered it a moment ago when you said private property. There are a lot of parking lots oh, that have some gosh. serious pothole Terrible situations. Potholes. Yeah. Uh, that is yeah. private property? Is that how that goes? That, that is private property. A, a grocery store that I like to frequent had 
some terrible potholes. And, you know, people were dodging them, which was creating a whole other issue of sure. unsafe driving. Sure. And, you know, I, I told the manager, I actually called their corporate number and let them know. It's kind of the same thing. So, you know, we, since it's not our property, there's not, we can't send our pothole crews out to work on private property. But, you know, you as a consumer, you as a resident certainly have that voice. And I, I encourage you to use it in those situations. Now, uh, Dan and I have a, an effort that we have already dubbed hashtag Get Bob Lit. Yeah. And we want to light the Bob Michael as the Murray Baker is lit so yeah. beautifully. Yeah. And, and we, then on top of that, yeah. light the arch. And light the arch. So we got two hashtags. Hashtag light the arch. The McCluggage arch needs to be lit. And uh, get Bob lit just as hysterical to me. Yeah. And so we want to do that. Okay. So What about the Cedar Street? Are you not going to do anything about that bridge? It's going to get left out? We don't have a good moniker for that yet. Let yeah. us okay. work on that. Yeah. Work, work, okay. work on that. I and think I'll, we uh, actually, we want to close the Cedar Street and make it into the world's best sledding hill. Oh, my God. That'd be great. It'd be scary oh coming down that. It's well, scary driving down Whipping down, down onto Washington Street. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Slide. What right could up. go wrong? What could yes. hashtag? What could possibly yeah. go wrong? Slide right up into C.T. Gabbert's showroom under toboggan. It'd be great. Uh, I do want to say this before we get into the lighting. I do want to also change how we talk about the bridges. Again, leaving out Cedar Street because it's different. But we got the Bob mm-hmm. and the Murray and the Mac. It seemed like we should just call them that. Guys' names. Yeah. And I, I just think that's fun. I think that's fun. So mm-hmm. uh, you do whatever you have to do in the city to get that done, uh, Stacey, and then we'll appreciate it. But is it possible? Because I know uh, sometimes watching Weather Channel, when they have severe weather coming, they'll have a shot of downtown Memphis and all yeah. their bridges are lit. And I'm like, that's cool. And I, cool. I know it was a big effort to get this one. Right, right. And maybe the Bob doesn't have to be as high tech as this bridge. Maybe it could just be a guy standing there with a flashlight. <laughs> With just like films that he puts over it, yeah, he yeah. changes. He's got little yeah. color. He's he's got one of those one of those color wheels that you used to put under your white Christmas tree back in the nineteen sixties. Right. Like, uh, you know, gentlemen, I, I can't believe this. You're really actually leaving me speechless with all of the ideas, the bridge no. lighting and the toboggan hill and it's a little overwhelming to take in this early in the morning. Stacy Peterson, City of Peoria, you should hang out with us more. We are nothing if we're not a, a an idea factory. Yeah. We just mm-hmm. throw out the ideas. Now, I do want to ask this because it, we get to the privilege, absolute privilege, of looking at the Murray Baker Bridge every morning in the dark when we come to work. We're up on the 12th mm-hmm. floor. We're yeah. looking right at it, and it's gorgeous. For folks who are uninitiated to it and don't understand how it goes, explain how that goes. We've done this before with you, but it behooves repeating. How sure. Does it work? So, <laughs> so we really have the state of Illinois to thank for the lights on the Murray Baker Bridge. They the bridge was lit up until 1991 for a period of time, but you know maintenance is expensive. The lights were breaking, and it went dark for a very, very long time. So. Thanks to some of that Rebuild Illinois money, uh, that was kind of rolled into the rehabilitation of the bridge in 2020. If you guys remember, for about seven, eight months, the bridge was completely shut down for deck work and sure. improvements, and those those lights were also added. And there are a lot of lights. There are over 600 lights, and they can uh, shine in a variety of colors, in a variety of patterns. They can twinkle. 
we have all kinds of things that we can do with these lights. But the wonderful thing about the Murray Baker Bridge is that organizations and individuals can request color patterns for the bridges. So they can go to PeoriaGov.org, and on PeoriaGov.org, under Public Works, they can look up the Murray Bridge Ornamental Lighting Program, and it will tell you the fee scale. It will tell you the um, available colors. And then there are also dates on there. So the city has some dates that we reserve for special events or for important months. But then it will show you what dates are actually open through the year. Then you go through an application process. You have to pay a fee. And then once approved, it will get put in the schedule for that. So it's a really fantastic way to promote causes. We have many organizations that come back every year to promote the causes that are dear to their heart. Um, events, the Fine Art Fair, the Peoria Art Guild Fine Art Fair, sure. will light the bridge during Fair Week. Um, and then, of course, we light it through holidays. And the the amount of photographs that we get, it's just incredible. People living at 401 Water, people who are at the museum for events, it's its just incredible. I tell you, if you've got someone, and I had a son who was in a photography class, we walked down under the bridge and there are angles to take shots that are it's just gorgeous. And now there's a guy we're trying to track down who has drone footage. He's oh, been... it's Chris Lacrone. <laughs> yeah. Chris Lacrone. I've seen his videos. Chris Lacrone. I don't know that yeah. guy. It is incredible what yeah. he's doing yeah. with yeah. that. So, so back to the, the, uh, the requesting. Uh, if I wanted mm-hmm. to do that for my kid's wedding or birthday or something. Um, yep. Does it cost money? Yeah, there is actually a fee, uh, depending on if you're a nonprofit or if you are a uh, an individual. So there, if you go to the Peoria Gov, I'm actually pulling it up right now, so I could try to get those okay. fees for you quickly. Takes a minute, but there are fees for it, and there are people that um, repeat repeat their requests, right? So if they've got somebody who is going to come in and they want to celebrate a big anniversary, they'll think, oh, in five years, I want to make sure I get it for that. Uh, per evening, with a five-evening maximum, the rate to light the bridge is $200, and it's $150 for nonprofit organizations. You do need to provide your 501c3 if yeah. you are a nonprofit. That's not bad. Stacy Peterson with the City of Peoria, along with WMBD's Greg and Dan. More Week in Review, coming up. There are many people who, when it's suggested that someone is coming to Peoria for a visit suggests simply changing plans. But there are also many more people who are welcoming, wanting visitors to enjoy the area, have some good food, and see some good sights. That led to the question, what do you tell a new visitor to Peoria, one from a foreign country, to do? WMBD's Greg Batten and Dan DiOrio tried to answer that question with a visitor from Ireland. My friend Jim Waller called me the other day. Jim is at Brewers Distributing and has been our friend for many, many years. Good yeah. to see you. Merry Christmas, buddy. How Merry you? Christmas to you. So you call. We were talking about a bunch of stuff, and then you said, I knew that your daughter, who is also here and we'll talk to in a minute, had moved to Ireland a few years back because mm-hmm. you've, you've been to visit. Yes. In this conversation, you're telling me that your daughter and her boyfriend have, mo- have not moved but have come back to visit for the holidays. Yes. And that it was the young man's first time in the United States. You go, hey, I'm, I'm lining up some stuff. 
we're going to do. Right. And you started right. taking off some things. And I right. said, well, one of them should be coming on the show. Aaron, good morning to you. <laughs> it's good, good to see you. Uh, I, I know that uh, your father loves you very much, and he comes over yeah. there and he brags about you all the time. Sure. So, uh, But you guys don't live in Ireland anymore. No. You live in Dubai. Live in Dubai. Moved about a year and a half ago. Did five years in Dublin. And, 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 and knowing what I think I know about Dubai... And knowing what it is to be in Peoria, ooh, we have a hard time standing up to that. There's a lot of cool stuff happening it's just in Dubai. A, it's just a little different. Like, they'll they'll mop the paths in case yeah. there's, like, anything on yeah. there. And then here, it's not really quite the same. No, it's just no, different. Not, no. not better or worse. It's just different. We a little spill shinier. beer a lot, yeah. Yeah. but we don't mop it up, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that. No, no, no. So do you like living there? Do you miss I Peoria? Do. do you miss Peoria? I miss all of the people. Yeah. Uh, Chris Butler is your boyfriend. And yeah. He's right there. Yeah. Uh, how did you meet him? I met him in Dublin at one of my best friend's birthday parties. Okay. He did the Masters a year after I did, so they had a big friend group. That yeah, so everybody yeah. kind of related yeah, as yeah. far as the So then I showed up to the birthday party. And so, and so, Chris, you're the man of the hour here. This is your first trip to the United States, and obviously your first trip to Peoria in Central Illinois. Welcome. Thank you very much, Greg. It's good, to, it's good to meet you. What do you do for a living? So I'm a consultant. I work in supply chain and operations. We went to St. Phil's Elementary to see a recital from Aaron's um, nephew, which is lovely. Uh, got Wait a minute. Let's back up. Those guys were how old? Kindergartners? Kinder- Preschool? Pre-K. I'm jealous of you because that is, there's nothing better. Yeah, Everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. looks shiny and happy and they're singing yeah. so hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'm cool. not sure if they're listening, but shout out to Carmen Shea if, if, if they are. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, uh, and so you did that. So St. Phil's for a little yeah. music and then what else? Absolutely. And then just the food here is something that I'm really interested in. So like we Ooh. don't get the pancakes quite like you get here. <laughs> yeah. So the original pancake case was, was frequented yesterday. <laughs> And, uh, I, I I'm embarrassed. I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure. You seem like a very sophisticated kind of fella, and, and I know I grew up here. I know what we eat, right, Jim? Right, Dan? Yeah. 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 So, like, We're, you're I'm in, not even looking at you right now. Yeah. So, like, you're in Dubai, going. I wish they had an IHOP. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things one of our listeners suggested that you must eat two things actually oh, that I would like you to try. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Waller over here will be happy to find a place. One is the giant pork sandwich, the tenderloin. pounded breaded tenderloin, tenderloin yeah. pork, which <coughs> usually is about this big. Yeah. On a little tiny bun, which is hysterical, and then the horseshoe. Yeah. What you, oh, have you already heard about the horseshoe? Jim was talking, we were talking about, about this it yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You have to have a horseshoe. Yeah. And then never come back to the United States. <laughs> I said, if it's horseshoe day, it's going to be nap day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You can't, uh, Jim. What do you got on tap for him? Well, after this, we're going to go to Gubby's for breakfast. No, um, is, is Gubby around, by the way? Is he feeling all yeah, right? Yeah, I think he's, he's still, yeah. Please introduce him to him. Uh, yeah, 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 that. Please that inter- I want you be, to meet that man. That'll be an afternoon in itself. <laughs> um, yeah. Who, By the way, Gubby also works for the CIA. Yeah. He's yes. been undercover for 45 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so Gubby's, and then what? Well, I'd like to try to get him. Uh, you know, it's kind of weird. Like, he'd never been to a Walmart before. So he hit Walmart. Perfect. Um, I'd like to get them to Allens for some sides. Yes. Um, maybe Weavers for a tenderloin. All right. And then, you know, Jimmy's for sure. We're definitely maybe not once but twice. Well, you've been Jimmy's. in the beer business for how long? 30, It'll 40 be years? 24, years, 24 years. Yeah. So you know all the spots. I do. Get him to some of the spots you can't talk about. We're planning on it. Okay, that's yeah. going to be great. I try to be careful. Here. I know what you're saying. you got to hit dive bars like the Duck Inn and just goofy places up along well, the river. Well, see, and I'm a dive bar 
person. Yeah. So like veterans. Um, oh, down on uh, for a pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is phenomenal. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, and I don't want to leave anybody out. Yeah. Um, the trolleys sort of become a new sure. place. It's a, good spot. it's a good spot. Well, Chris, what do you want to do besides all these things? I know uh, Jim's going to take care of you, but is there stuff? In, I mean, like going to Walmart. What was the, what was that experience like for you? That was. It was interesting. I think the time of day that we went, it was a little bit quieter than usual. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's a different world, the amount of stuff that's available. Um, you should go on Christmas Eve around 8 p.m. Oh, I think yeah. that'll be a fun night. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, is there something else? Out well, there? No, just I'd like the authentic Peoria experience. So like a, the likes of a dive bar would be ideal in terms of just seeing um, seeing what yeah, normal life is like here, I suppose. And um, I think it, we're going to... Uh, Bradley basketball game. Tomorrow. Oh, you're going uh, oh, tonight. 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 Tonight, tonight, of course. Tonight, tonight, yeah. Tonight, yeah. Yes, so yeah, I'll see you at the game. I'll be there at the game. I'll nice. see you tonight. Nice, yeah, I'll nice. buy you a beer or something. But <laughs> yeah. It's uh, uh, it's a good place. Dan and I uh, have been here a long time. Uh, Jim's been here a long time. I'm proud to be from here. I really like this community. I think it's yeah. cool. Yeah. And it's nice to meet somebody who's new to it and seeing it through new eyes. So yeah. I hope yeah. you have a great... How long are you going to be here? I'll Couple be here weeks? until uh, another eight or nine days, I think. Yeah. So we have a decent yeah. amount of time. But yeah, I have yeah. to say that the welcome that I've received here from the people that's of Peoria nice, has been phenomenal. It's well, been, it's not been everybody nice. that comes to visit gets to be on the show. So that's, <laughs> yeah, I will say, so that's yeah, because of Jim. It. That's because of Jim and, <laughs> our, and our affection for him. So yeah. And Aaron, it's nice to meet you. Keep up all the good work and... Uh, taking care of your pop over here. He's a pretty good dude. Yeah. Jim, thank you, man. Thank good you. you. Merry thank Christmas. you. Thank you. That conversation again from WMBD's Greg and Dan. On social media, Greg and Dan asked what a visitor to the area should do if they've never been here before. Here are some good suggestions. One was to the Peoria Riverfront Museum. Another, Urban Artifacts. Zion Coffee Company. Alexander's Steakhouse. Kelleher's The Paradise. A drive along Grandview Drive, maybe see some stand-up comedy at Jukebox Comedy Club, along with the Peoria Zoo and Wildlife Prairie Park. And even one person suggested going on a hunt for snake-painted tires. Those are a lot of really good suggestions, along with seeing Chillicothe Players, the Festival of Lights while it was still on for this year, a romantic river walk, perhaps watching a bridge being moved since there is still a lot of bridge work here and many other things. The good positive suggestions are appreciated. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us again next week on this Midwest Communications Station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. You don't have to wait for Week in Review to get the lowdown on what's happening in central Illinois. For instant news 24-7, follow us at 1470 WMBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and at WMBDradio.com or just download our podcast from WMBDradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Will Stevenson, WMBD Radio News.